0: So we'll go ahead and read our verse together. If you didn't get to hear um, Charles this morning give the message on Nehemiah or if you hadn't uh, if you're not following along with the reading and you didn't read Nehemiah this week, goodness put that next on your list. Nehemiah is a great encouraging book to read and um, so let's uh, let's read this together. Nehemiah 1:4. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven.
1: Alright, we're going through this new series, um, and I hope that you'll enjoy it as much as I am enjoying studying for it and getting ready for each lesson. Now, here's going to be really the issue. Um, When we go through this series, the, the questions that Jesus asked his disciples, the questions that Jesus asked, I want you to not only think about the questions from their perspective, but what if Jesus asked you the question, okay? What if you asked the question? Now, before we get into our lesson, I do want to remind you about the men's group that meets on Monday night. Um, they're going to be meeting at our house. Uh, we're having um, uh, Nathan's hot dogs. I've got, got baked beans and chili for the hot dogs. Um, how many are planning on coming for men's group on Monday night? Let me get a yank out. One, two, three, four five, six, seven, eight. We'll pray about two more at least. Okay. All right. How would you respond, okay, to these types of questions? Now, this is a, obviously, it's a, a, it's a tough question to ask. Are you still sleeping and resting? <laughs> now, obviously, in context here, we're going to be looking at this passage but I want you to think about a relationship to your daily spiritual walk with the Lord, okay? Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. We know this is a, it was an olive grove because Gethsemane is an olive press. It's this is kind of the idea that obviously this is where uh, they were located. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Couldn't you then keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. How many times have we ever used that phrase? He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Imagine this evening being asked by Jesus to go with you. Or go with him and, and to minister really with him in this time of sorrow and of frustration. Now, we need to go back and set the stage to this a little bit. If we go back 10 chapters to 16, okay? Jesus predicted and communicated his death to his disciples. He told them what was coming. He didn't keep them in the dark. He made it very clear to them what was going to happen. Why was he going someone read Matthew 16, 13 to 16 for me.
0: When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And obviously, at
1: this point, Jesus, you know, just praises him and said, you're right. And Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. He's, he's communicating something very specific. Peter, oh, this great man of God who, who, who at the time, said, you know, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm with you all the way. And he, he declares the truth about who Jesus was. That he wasn't just, well, we're not really sure, Jesus. You know, we're still haven't figured this out after three years. We're not really sure. No, he declares, you are the Messiah. Okay? The son of the living God. I declare who you are. Now ask yourself the question. Is Jesus the son of God to you? Think about that. Is Jesus the son of God, the Messiah for you? And if he is, what does that then mean in our daily lives? Is he the Lord of our life? Or is he just a really good prophet with some great sayings that we can try to put into practice in our own daily life? Peter declares that Jesus is the Christ, okay? So he's made this great bold statement. We get that. Then what happens? Jesus then tells his disciples what will happen. Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now think about this. Jesus, Jesus is sitting there with his disciples. Hey, who do people say that I am? And they to give him all these ideas that people were saying about it. And Peter declares, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, you're absolutely right. And on you, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, he, and that, so now he realized, okay, they, have, they understand who I am. Now I can tell the truth about what I'm here for. I'm going to go and be persecuted, I'm going to suffer and die, but three days later I'm going to rise from the dead. I can tell him this. Are you kidding me? Peter then, listening to Jesus, he just declared him the Messiah, the Son of the Living God, and he says, Matthew 16, to 23 someone read that for me. Peter
0: took the Messiah and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen Said, you are
1: a Jesus, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he then opens up to him and says, okay, here's what has to happen. I'm going to have, I'm going to go into persecution. I'm going to suffer and die. But three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. Peter pulls him aside. Like, uh, not so much. Jesus. This is not going to happen to you. No. You're this, no, we're not going to do this. He was more interested in being with Jesus than Jesus' mission. He, he, he liked the fact of hanging out with Jesus. And ultimately, maybe as the Messiah, he also was maybe thinking, hey, wait a minute now. I thought maybe that you would kind of take over. I mean, you could raise people from the dead. What kind of a a military could we have? We'll get our swords. We'll take over. And if someone kills us, you just go, rise. (laughs) Would that not get discouraging to the enemy? Do you realize how many people the Jews would just be like, okay, forget this. But that's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to take over came to die and raise again for our sins. And Peter, even though he declared him to be the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, he still didn't get it. Yeah, Tish. I was thinking two things. One, he probably, he said the Father
0: declared to him. That's the only reason he knew. Not like he came from his own father. You know, he he had been told. It's like when the Lord speaks through us. You know, he's the one.
1: what's going on here. Right before this, obviously, when you're, we're going through this time, Peter doesn't really understand, again, who Jesus is. Because ultimately, he's 100% God and 100% man. We're going to get into that. Think about what he's going through here. Jesus is trying to say, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. In other words, what he's saying is, what Jesus is admitting here, whether we understand it or not, is this. Jesus is saying, you're trying to convince me not to die. Which, by the way, I will soon be asking the Father the same thing. In my flesh, do I want to suffer and die? As a human, do I want to suffer and die and bear the sins of the world on my shoulder? No. I don't. Yet it's not my will. I'm not here for me. Think about what Jesus is saying here. You are a stumbling block to me. What was a stumbling block? Does anybody remember from Romans fourteen? What's a stumbling block? Can you be a stumbling block to a brother or sister in Christ? Yes. 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 So, what's a stumbling block?
0: Someone preventing someone from
1: doing what they do. Someone preventing them from doing what they should do. From a human perspective, it's actually influencing them to sin. Think about what Peter's saying. I don't want you to do the will of God. I want you to do my will. Do we ever pray that way? We don't say it like that, do we? But do we ever want our will to be done and not his? It's challenging. Yeah, Paul.
0: We, you know, we pray, God, you know, you've got to fix this, and here's how you need to do it. And uh, you know, we have our own preconceived notions. For 400 years, the Jews have been waiting for the Messiah. Because the Messiah, we're going, you know we're the Jews. We're God's chosen people. He's going to come in. He's going to exalt us above everything else. He's going to save us and make life wonderful. And they've been waiting for that for 400 years. Jesus is, is there, and he's telling them, this is what we're going to do. But Peter's still got that in the back of his mind, that this is the way it's going to happen, because... Hey, this is what we've been
1: taught for 400 years. Exactly. And if you think through what happens with Peter through this whole process, and we're eventually going to get to the question that Jesus asked Peter as well by the late when he was cooking breakfast for him. So, what was Jesus' again response to Peter? What was his response to Peter? Go, go for it. Rob.
0: Get
1: behind me. Yeah, get behind me, Satan. You're saying you're a stumbling block to me. We want to admit. Someone read Matthew 16, 24 25. We're going in progression here. And then Jesus said to his
0: disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it,
1: but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Isn't it interesting? Ten chapters before this issue that he's going to be dealing with in Gethsemane, and eventually he goes to the cross. He says, tells them what a, a true disciple is. No, Jesus, never. This is not going to happen to you. Get behind me, Satan. Okay, you know, it's like, no. And then he goes right into it, what a disciple is. If you're really going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross like I'm going to do. When, when Jesus took up his cross, what did he do? You've heard me say this before, but as a reminder, when Jesus took up his cross, what did he do? When Jesus took up his cross, what did he do? What happened? He what? He died. But God doesn't ask us to be a, a physical martyr for him. He asks us to be a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable act of worship. To take up our cross daily means that we are doing that, that we're dying to ourselves every single day. And that's what a disciple is. So he's telling Peter and the disciples, I have to take up my cross. You've got to take up your cross and follow me. Follow me. I've got to abandon my fleshly desires. I've got to give up everything that I really want in this, because this is not what I necessarily thought I want, but I want God's, the Father's will to be done. That's the most important. And how did the disciples respond? Matthew 17, 22 and 23 says, When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. And the disciples were What? filled with grief. He's telling them, this is why I've come. No. Uh, For three years we followed you and you're going to die? You're saying you're going to raise from the dead. Okay, whatever. Uh, They were filled with grief. They were filled with sorrow. Does God's will for your life ever cause you to be filled with grief and sorrow? Probably. For honest.
0: Yeah. Why wouldn't it be filled with grief? Yeah. I mean your best friend, you've been with him for all this time. And he's telling you this. And now he's and he's telling you, why wouldn't you be filled with grief? Yeah. I mean
1: here's somebody who they loved. Yeah. It's gonna suffer and die. But the hard thing is is that are we really willing to say, but I get the big picture. Think about it in your own life. There are things that you have to suffer, hardships that you have to go through in order to get to where you want to be. In anything that's worth doing, it takes a lot of suffering and grief, heartache, difficulty, struggle, denial of self, all those things. You've got to be willing to do the hard stuff to be able to get to where you wanna go. If that's really what you want, the hardest thing though is getting to the point where you go, that is what I want. Do they really want Jesus to be the Savior? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe you wonder why they would doubt after they've seen all the miracles, why they would doubt exactly the documents and grace. Yeah. Why after seeing everything that he did, why would they still doubt?
0: Yeah, Mike. They knew at this point, yeah, sure. They knew there were stories of people being raised from the dead. They've seen Jesus raised people from the dead. But Jesus was saying he's to raise himself from the dead. In every other case, somebody else raised a person from the dead, whether it's Elijah or Jesus or whoever. So, you know, in fairness to them, that might have been a bridge too far because if you're dead, how can you raise yourself from the dead?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's maybe easier for someone to see, but this is Jesus doing this. He he's he's doing these miracles. But if he's gonna suffer and die on a cross, you're gonna recover from that one. If you're dead, yeah, good point, Mike. And by the way, next Sunday, Mike is gonna be talking about uh, the vaccines and whether they're safe and those kinds of things, talking a little bit about it. He's gonna do the intro to class next week. And so I hope that you'll come to hear that, to be informed so you can also not only be informed yourself, but inform others because there's a lot of stuff going around that just isn't true regarding it. So, nevertheless, yeah, Tish. Challenging to understand. Jesus made sure the 12 disciples knew what would happen to him. Okay? Someone read Matthew 20, 17 to 19. Disappointed when God's word comes true? Now think about that for a moment. There's a lot of wonderful promises in Scripture. But do we ever are we ever concerned about God's word coming true in our own life? And why? Do we believe what it says to us and about us? Now, here's an example. Okay? This is one that we don't want come true. Okay? Be sure your sin will find you out. Ever wish that one didn't come true?
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: but I'm also grateful for if you judge yourself, you won't be judged. In other words, if you, if you recognize the fact you don't have to fear. Be sure your sin will find you out. If you're judging yourself. Because it's not something you're trying to hide. But you're openly confessing it before the Father. You
0: know those.
1: Are, in other words. The scriptures are really clear. And God's word gives us these things. And these disciples. Are trying to figure all this out. And do we really want it, believe what it says about us? What does the, the Bible say about us? You know. You're. A saint. You've heard me use that before. You're a peculiar people. We get that one. You're a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Do you, do you see yourself as a royal priesthood? You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. We're, seated in high places. We're already seated in high places. Yeah. We're already seated in the heavens. Do we really see ourselves as positionally already in heaven? Well, I haven't seen it yet. I hope so. <laughs> these things have I written unto you that you may no. know that you have eternal life. Not I hope so. You know, these are things, what does the word of God really tell us? And is it true? So then I want to talk about the ministry of presence. This is very interesting. Jesus took his disciples to Gethsemane to pray. It's right across the Kidron Valley, on the Mount of Olives. Okay, and he says to his disciples, okay, they're all together here. All but who? Judas. Judas. He's not there because he went to go. Hey, you pay me thirty pieces of silver, and I'll come. He's the one that came with the, with the mob and kissed Jesus to identify him at night. That's why Jesus is a little concerned. Why do you come, come with me with clubs and swords uh, when I've been preaching in the temple all the time during the day? <laughs> well, We've got to do this at night because we don't want to create a problem. <clears throat> he says, he tells the 11 disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. What didn't he ask them to do? Pray. pray. He didn't ask him to do anything. He just said, sit here while I go over there and pray. Then he says, he took Peter, James, and John. Those are the two sons of Zebedee. That's not his brother, because his brother wasn't a convert yet. That's not the James who wrote the book of James. That's the son of Zebedee, to pray with him. So he brings three of the disciples with him to pray. The others, he just said, would you wait here for me? Sit here and wait. Watch. He becomes overwhelmed and asks them to keep watch or literally stay awake with me. Stay awake with me. Okay? So he has a group of disciples over there. Just, just wait for me while I go and pray. Then he pulls three of them aside. Peter, James, and John. Pray with me. So he brings these guys here and he begins praying earnestly, overwhelmed with grief. And then he decides to go a little farther. Okay. Why did Jesus have them pray with him? Well, Jesus was overcome with sorrow and need, needed time alone with his father. Now, here's the thing. There are times in our life, there's going to be time in your life when a lot of people aren't needed. You just want people with you. There's going to be some who you know a little bit more intimate that you may go, Chuck, would you pray with me? Pray with me. And and that's an intimate relationship. And he had an intimate relationship with God and he needed, you would find Jesus often going alone to pray. Because How easy is it for us to be distracted with others? What he was about to face was amazing. There's sometimes you're faced with things and people are like, sometimes I I get it. We can have various reactions to asking for prayer requests. Okay, we can. One of those is I'm only going to share it with those that are most intimate to me because I know they'll pray for me. But there are some times when you don't tell anybody because it's between you and God. I am overwhelmed with this, and and quite honestly, no one else needs to know my prayers but God. It's just us. We've got that type of a relationship. He knows what I'm going through. I'm going to be praying. But then we can also get cynical. Why share it? Because in reality, everybody else has got so many burdens on them, they're not going to remember to pray. And if we're not careful, we can get cynical. Some people just need us there, but not to say anything. Have you ever been invited to go to someone's hospital bed and you don't know what to say? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, I'm going to say something that I'm going to get myself maybe in trouble, but it's okay. It's not intentional. to this. I don't like going to the dentist. Now, it's not that I don't like going to the dentist. I, I so appreciate the Christian hygienist that takes care of me. She does a super job, but she talks the entire time. And I can't say anything back. And she's literally talking for 50 minutes straight. No, yeah, it's, it's like, oh my word. I, sometimes you just want quiet. I don't know about you, but that's true of me, okay? It's sometimes, how many of you have ever been in the hospital? Anyone been in the hospital before? And someone came in and you just wanted to rest and they just kept talking. And you're sitting there going, I don't want to be tired. You know, you, that's, you, you even say, don't even say it a lot of times. You're just like, I just don't need anybody right now. Just, but you know what? It's so nice of them to come because someone actually cared to come. That means a lot to us, but we don't necessarily always need them to say the right things. And sometimes it's like at a funeral. Sometimes you say things, people say things. It's like, really? I, I've shared this before, but I, I will never, I will never forget. When Cheryl's sister's husband died tragically in a car accident, she's at the funeral. She's there receiving guests. And someone walks up to her and says, I know what you're going through. My dog just passed away. Now that's serious. For that person, that was serious. But was that the right thing to say at a funeral when their husband had tragically died? Probably not. Sometimes we don't know what to say and we say things that just aren't even necessary when all we really need is someone just to be with us. How many times did Jesus go off alone to pray? I, I'm sorry, at this, in this lesson. How many times in Gethsemane did he go off to pray? Three times. Three times. Okay. What happened each time he came back to his disciples? They were sleeping. Why? Was it like sleep? Yeah, it's in the morning. It's night. Sounds legitimate. Now think about this, though. Jesus has already told them what was going to happen. They were, they were already up in the upper room together. He just... Shared and prayed the wine and the bread with them. He communicated, this is my body. This is my blood. He's explaining what's happened. Now he takes them off that evening. It's now night. It says, stay here. And then there's three disciples, Peter, James, and John, pray with me. You can't even watch the men. You can't even watch one hour. He comes back and why are you still sleeping and resting? Then he goes back the third time and it's like, okay, forget it. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> it just goes back and prays by himself again. Think of the frustration that must be. Can't you, you, you've been with me for three years. You're close with me? Really? And you won't even stay awake an hour? Think about that. Oh, absolutely. But remember, Peter, James, and John had been with it for three years. They were friends. Yeah, we don't get it, but we do get it. They were friends. What are friends for? Why do we meet together in this group? Yeah, we meet for lessons and to talk about the Word of God, but I hope in this classroom and obviously outside that you will build a Friendships, that you will open up your home to each other when you're comfortable. That you build relationships with people. You talk to people. You pray for each other. You're, you're thinking about each other's needs. And not just isolating yourself from them. but you're really building relationships. Why? Because there's going to become a time when you're going to go through something and you just need a friend to be with you. People use so many excuses for not praying. It's just got to become a part of our life. It's so natural. that just flows from us. What did Jesus pray? May this cup be taken from me. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He was agonizing over the cross in the weight of sin. Yet not as I will, but as you will. What are we willing to pay to be in the will of God? Jesus, if you can take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, that yours be done. What are we willing to pay to be in the will of God? What was he willing to do to be in the will of the Father? Think about that. 100% God, but he's also now 100% physical man in the flesh. How much agony, and this is convicting to me, folks. I've been thinking about this. How much agony... Am I willing to experience to be in the will of God? <laughs> How easy it is to make a decision to get out of his will because of convenience or for personal desire, f- fleshly desires, etc. How to practice the ministry of presence. This is, I think, one of the things Jesus teaches us through this experience here. Know that there are times when people don't need you to say anything. They don't need you to say anything. They just want you to be with them. Being watchful and praying shows more love at times than saying something. Why? Because they don't need anything at that moment. They don't need wisdom from you at that moment necessarily. Now if God leads you in something, obviously I'm not saying every time you go visit somebody, or uh, said I'm supposed to be quiet so I'm not going to say anything. That that may not be what they need. And they will communicate what they need. If they start asking you things and sometimes they're just trying to be cordial and nice too, but you know, they 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 start engaging you, then fine. That's another thing. But Satan wants to isolate us, but God understands our need for community. Why is the body of Christ so essential for us? Real quick, someone just respond to that. You just said support that isolation. To get us out of that isolation. Support. For support. Encouragement. Accountability. Accountability, excellent. Think about body, the toe
0: never by itself.
1: Yeah, the body has, is together. The toe's not running off doing its own thing. Okay, the, the, you know, the, uh, and this little pig went to the market, this little pig stayed home, this little pig had roast beef, this little pig had none, and this one isn't gonna go wee, 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 all the way home. Right. <laughs> we need all our parts there. What can I do to improve my prayer life for others and be more vigilant in ministry to others? I'd ask us to consider this prayer. Lord, give me a discerning heart, watchful eyes, and the ministry of presence with others in need. Lord, give me a discerning heart, watchful eyes. And the ministry of presence with others and needs let's pray heavenly father, lord, father teach us through this series of questions lord i don't want to be caught sleeping and resting when i should be praying when i should be just there for people lord it's, sometimes when you go through challenges like this pandemic we get self-centered. We, we just want happiness. We want to meet our own needs. Um, forgive us. When we start being introspective instead of thinking of others and what they're going through And the ministry of presence. Jesus, thank you for being the role model of one who wanted to do the will of the Father more than your own desires. Thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts this week through this lesson. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you all. Have a great week.
0: God bless you.